Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversation with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Sunday. I'm George Reister. I'm usually with my main man, Dan Beyer, but today Aaron Torres is in the seat today. And ordinarily, we would make fun of Dan Beyer for gallivanting on the greens or, you know, because he took a Sunday off for the Masters, just hung out and did whatever he was doing. But today, he's off for a great reason. Dan Beyer is now Daddy Dan Beyer. He finally um, had his son, Roderick Beyer. So, Dan, congratulations. Uh you know, we we believe in paternity leave. We are we are uh, progressive people around here, but we we love you. Take your time, and we miss you as well at the same time. But you and your wife, congratulations! So happy for you, Mister Buyer. Welcome, Aaron. Aaron George, George yeah. Reister, my man. How you doing? Sorry, I didn't know if you were gonna just anything else. Uh, but- well, see, see, that's my fault. I did not introduce you pro- properly. He is Aaron Torres. Uh, you guys, childless Aaron Torres. Yes, <laughs> listen to his podcast as as well. You can hear him here on Fox Sports Radio on Saturdays as well. But now he's in with me today, Aaron. Of course, thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, thank you, and let me just uh, second that. You know, when obviously when I got the call, hey, are you available on Sunday to work with George? I assume the best, but you know, I, I hope for the best with Dan, but didn't want to assume anything. And so, so happy to see that he has his uh, baby boy happy and healthy. And uh, yeah, whether it's just this week or he decides to take a few weeks off, however long he needs, I'm happy to to be here for him on Sundays. And I appreciate you having me, George. I really do. 
Oh, no problem, man. Um, so let's let's get into it. Now that we've taken care of the housekeeping element of it, now it's time for the NFL draft part of it. Uh, it so the first thing is, uh, me and Aaron were talking about earlier, is that, and I was talking about it this week on on my show as well. I was like, hold up. Everybody seemingly has just mailed in the uh the a uh, sheet the pick for number two in the draft that it's obvious that the Jaguars are taking Trevor Lawrence at number one because any rational human being not named Brett Favre would do that but then everybody's saying that number two pick they're like yeah it's gonna be Zach Wilson it's it's obvious this is just so clear and I'm sitting here like what like what there have to be other options at number two besides Zach Wilson. And then why does everybody believe that he's the definitive number two pick? And this isn't just a smokescreen by the Jets. Um, so I was talking to Aaron about it, and I, I just don't understand like why everybody all of a sudden thinks that this dude is some sort of transcendent player that you can't pass up on a number two absolutely george and it's something i I don't want to say like i was the only one that was what but we all watch college football and my spot on on fox sports radio on saturday nights uh i am on from 8 to 11 eastern 11 to 2 a.m pacific guess what as you know there was really no pac-12 football this year until uh you know middle of november and so the only games that were on when we were on air were BYU. And so we watched them. They had an incredible season. They were fun to watch. Obviously, through no fault of their own, weren't able to play any Power 5 teams throughout the season. But I've told my Saturday partner, Arnie Spanier, there was never once that I was on air on Saturday night. Said, well, well, that's the guy you have to take number two. Right? And so, you know, we, we can bounce back and forth here, whether it's a smokescreen or why the Jets feel so confident that he is definitively the guy. But I've never understood it, George. I really haven't. Here's the thing that that gave me pause about, about him. Because truly, aside from Trevor Lawrence, I'm not just – so over the moon about any of these other quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence is like a no-brainer. Aaron Luck, I'm sorry, Andrew Luck, high floor, high ceiling kind of prospect. But when I look at Zach Wilson, here's the truth. Like, you, you can't get around this. As a freshman, he played in nine games. He threw for... 1,500 yards, 12 touchdowns, three interceptions, mostly in mop-up duty. As a sophomore, nine games, 2,300 yards, 11 touchdowns, nine interceptions. And then this year, this past year, 33 touchdowns, three interceptions. And the difference in this year and last year is their schedule. Like their schedule was absolutely different they were playing um ordinarily they would play a couple of pac 12 teams they'll play a couple um you know teams from other power five conferences but this year they had navy army troy la tech utsa houston texas state uh western kentucky boise state without a quarterback north alabama coastal carolina and san diego state and the only team that he truly struggled against was Coastal Carolina, and that just so happened to be a ranked team. So, mm-hmm. Aaron, I did, so please excuse me 
if I am not just sold that Zach Wilson, because yes, he's got great arm talent. Yes, he can, you know, do all these fancy drills. But but my 15-year-old son practices these same drills too. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, he can make these exact same throws. It's different against uh, air as it is when you're in the uh, game. So I'm just sitting here like, I, I just don't, I just don't believe that this is a surefire thing. I don't either. And the other thing is, too, like when you look at the teams that need quarterbacks or that are interested in quarterbacks or even teams that have pursued quarterbacks this offseason, you look at Carolina Panthers who now have Sam Darnold, the, the Colts who now have Carson Wentz, uh, but then also in the top 10 teams that could be interested in a quarterback like, say, the San Francisco 49ers. It's one thing if you believe that most of the other pieces are there and you have to get it right at quarterback. It's another thing if you're the New York Jets and you're tearing down everything and now putting in a quarterback that basically, as you just said, George, had one good year against, frankly, inferior competition to what Mac Jones, to what Justin Fields, to what Trevor Lawrence faced all season long. And so that, to me, is the part that stands out. If you're um, the, the, the 49ers and you feel like you're a quarterback away from really contending, okay, that's different. If you're drafting later in the first round where maybe Trey Lance will end up and you have a quarterback for another year, but you feel like i got to start grooming the next guy, that's different. But to ask this guy to come into an organization that is completely dysfunctional, I just think we're asking an awful lot, and it's just been amazing to me that we in the media have just kind of just pushed it off. Well, okay, well, the Jets are taking Zach Wilson number two, so who's number three? Is it Mac Jones? Is it Justin Fields? And we've just jumped past the idea that it could be anyone other than Zach Wilson at number two. Yeah, and my top five quarterbacks, as I've ranked them and watched them on on film, I have number one, obviously. I mean, this is a layup in Trevor Lawrence. And then two, I got Justin Fields. Three, I got Trey Lance. But I might draft Trey Trey Lance first, depending on how I feel about his workout. And then number four, I got Davis Mills Mm. out of uh, Stanford. And then I got Zach Wilson. And then Mac Mac Jones, I got him somewhere sitting next to Kyle, Kyle Trask, wherever you draft him, and it would not be under any circumstances be in the first round for me. What do, what do you love? or So is that more you're higher on, say, a Davis Mills than you are, or is it that you're lower on Zach Wilson, just period? Uh, it would be a – I am higher on Davis Mills. Okay. I think that, that Davis Mills – that first thing, Stanford quarterbacks typically because of the system that they play in, sure. and it's so complicated that they have the uh, that they usually have the acumen and ability to process NFL defenses. And you have to remember too that Davis Mills, I think, was the number one quarterback coming or the number one player in the country coming out of high school too. So, so he's no short. He's not short on talent. He he had injuries. Um, a situation at Stanford. So that's why I don't think that he's necessarily being truly fairly evaluated and he's not getting that same amount of hype. And he's a guy who I believe could end up not only potentially being the second best quarterback in this draft, but could be the best in terms of like the way he plays in the NFL because you need this sort of hype. And the truth is this. Aaron, the, the the truth of the matter is this is a fact that Trevor Lawrence, 
Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, and Mac Jones. That's five dudes who are probably going to be drafted in the first round. There is a 0% chance possibility that all of them are good quarterbacks, right? right? Mm-hmm. 0% chance. So, because it just doesn't work like that. It, that all five first rounders, that's never happened. It's not happening now. So, best, absolute best case scenario, three of them are going to be good. That means that that somebody else in the draft is going to be good. And likely, it's only going to be two of them that are going to be starter caliber NFL players. So then, you're going to have another quarterback or two come out of this draft that are going to be pretty doggone good. And that's where I'm staking my horse on Jalen, I'm sorry, uh, Mills. Davis Mills. Yeah. It's totally fair, and I think the the big thing is that we do have to remember it's exactly what you said is a couple of these guys just are not going to work. Like Statistically, we have that data now that says when you have this many quarterbacks in the first round, and so I think you have to start kind of – it's an inexact science, but you have to start trying to figure out, okay, who could could have hiccups where? And to me, I think – um, yeah, is there a chance that Zach Wilson is a really good quarterback? Absolutely. But I think when you take the fact that one one good season, you take the fact the competition level was not great, the fact that uh, he is going to maybe the toughest situation out of everybody, I would argue it might actually be because you obviously have a, a playoff team in the Bills. You have another team that was good enough to make the playoffs in the Dolphins. The Patriots are always going to be tough, especially defensively. I think there's a legitimate case that, that yes, you can make the argument that Zach Wilson will work assuming that he goes to the Jets, but I also think there is a chance that he has the highest bust potential out of everybody given the circumstances that assuming he goes number two, he's almost certainly going to have to play right away even with all the factors that are going on. Yeah, yeah. he's that, like That's the thing about it is that there's no way to skip around it because of what the Jets have done. Whoever their quarterback is, he's going to have to play immediately. And I don't think that you do a young quarterback um, a, a service. I think you do him a disservice when he comes in and he absolutely has to play year one. Look at Tua Tagovailoa. Is that he should not? He was not ready to be an NBA, an NFL starter last year. Does he have the talent? Yes. Was he able to complete passes at a high percentage? Yes. But was he willing to throw into those tight windows? No, he was not. So was he ready? No. Was Aaron Rodgers ready to take over the Packers as a rookie? Uh, Probably not. I mean, and truth is, we don't even know. But what we do know is what the what the Packers did, putting him on the bench for a couple years, that that actually worked. So I get that, that teams that they want to find out what's going on with players immediately. But I do think that there's something about letting a player grow into the and giving him an opportunity to succeed. I don't disagree. And I mean, this is something for throughout the show that we can talk about. I I get that, you know, every situation is a little bit different, but I also, I don't understand this idea that more teams do not take a guy, understand, even even what the Dolphins did with Tua, where it wasn't perfect, they finally started him, then they had to bench him a few times, but this idea that you got to draft guys and play them week one, minute one, it's just crazy to me, and I think Zach Wilson is a guy, I, also, I would also add, I think Trey Lance is also a guy that probably both of them could use just a little bit of an adjustment period when they get to the NFL before throwing him right into the fire. 
Absolutely. Uh, and we're asking you guys, 877-996-6369, 877-99-ON-FOX. Are the Jets bluffing and throwing smoke screens uh, at the number two pick, talking about where everybody thinks it's going to be Zach Wilson? And are they going to screw up the draft when they don't <laughs> pick Zach Wilson? That and more up next, because we're going to talk about players drafting players who opted out would we do it or would we shy away from them up next on fox sports sunday i'm george reiser with aaron torres there are some things that are too good to keep a secret like how your amex platinum card helps you have the perfect trip i'd like to check into the centurion lounge or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables Ooh, yum and how you get the most out of select can't miss events with access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at the Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs. Yeah, like check out these hair plugs. I mean, don't just walk around, hey, tapping, <laughs> hey, hey, stranger, I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have know to do that with everyone you meet? Some people try to act like they, uh, you know what I mean. Yeah, but I mean, like like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot? Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but. All right, so what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. Though. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Fox Sports Sunday. 
I'm George Reister with Aaron Torres because Dan Beyer is out on daddy duty and we are uh, coming to you live. Uh, You guys, for the very best NFL draft coverage, be sure to tune in to Fox Sports Radio throughout the first round of the draft on Thursday. Catch the NFL's best information man, Jay Glazer, draft analyst Bucky Brooks, former number two pick LeVar Arrington, and Fox's Kevin Burkhardt, as they'll be live through the first round beginning at 8 p.m. Eastern on Thursday. They'll have pick-by-pick predictions and react to all 32 first-round picks. That's Thursday night at 8 p.m. Eastern with Jay Glazer, Bucky Brooks, LeVar Arrington, and Kevin Burkhart right here on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. So we were talking about the number two pick and what the, the Jets should do with that pick and the idea that Zach Wilson should be a guy who is the definitive number two pick. But uh, there's a number of players in this draft, though, that were not, that opted out of last season who may be drafted in the first round. And we're talking about guys like Rousseau out of Miami, Micah Parsons from Penn State, Panay Sewell from Oregon, Jamar Chase from LSU all of these guys project to be first round picks but they didn't play last year so that begs a lot of questions and Aaron how do you think that they'll be looked at by the by the teams well I think for the most part I think teams understand it's so crazy because it's easy it's so funny so I'll give you a good example I was talking to uh, Andy Enfield, the coach of USC basketball this week, and uh, he was telling me they just made the Elite Eight, of course, and he was telling me how different it was even in September when they, they wanted to get their players back to campus and all of the limitations. And so I bring it up because I think it's easy to forget how different the world was in August and September when many of these players decided to opt out. I don't believe it's going to be held against them from a decision-making standpoint, but George, I wanted to ask you, as a former player, let, let's put aside, I, I think most people understand, nobody's blaming somebody if they didn't feel safe playing football back in last July, August, September. I'm just so fascinated about the idea of drafting somebody who has not played football in a year, and I'm curious from your perspective, does it matter, should it matter, if you had to, if you had to miss an entire year before you entered the NFL, what would the adjustment period have been like for you? Because I think this is the most fascinating topic I just don't think very many people are talking about. See, I think it's very similar to if a guy has a, a, a knee injury. Like if you tore your ACL and you missed that, that year, except for this, these guys are healthy. So I think that there's a significant difference. Um, But my only, like, I would not have any pause on drafting a guy provided his film says that I should be drafting him, right? That's the first thing. But the thing that I would have a question about if I were a team is this. Okay, is that we did not have training camp uh, as it was previous seasons, Teams didn't have an offseason last year. But the NFL scoring was up. Injuries were down. All of this, this is part of the reason why players don't want to do their offseason program this year because it worked out really, really well. Well, for players who opted out, I think that those training camp reps that the offseason is very important for those guys. 
because you get a chance to get back acclimated to playing football again. So I'm less concerned about them not playing for an entire season as opposed to them not having an offseason after that, if that makes sense. That does make sense. That is really interesting. So you don't think – because I'll just give an example. I remember hearing – uh, Eric Dickerson on uh, one of the shows on our network, whether it was Colin or Jason and Mike, whatever, uh, talking about the idea that he actually felt his most injury-plagued year was the year that he sat out of training camp while he was negotiating uh, or renegotiating his contract. And I, and I hope I'm paraphrasing correctly. Yeah, it was yep. a long time ago. But I, I bring it up because he said, he's like, you know, we as athletes, we have a body clock. We start doing this at this time. We start doing that at that time. And so I, I, I was just curious. I mean, for a Jamar Chase, for a Greg Rousseau, for a Micah Parsons, guys that are all probably going to be drafted in the top 15, top 20, um, it does feel – I, I just, just fascinated that they haven't played see, football in a year. See, I, I think that for – that when Eric Dickerson was d- doing this in the 80s, right, Sure. that training was different. And the way that you access to training and your body and all of those things, I do think that those things are different. I think that it does take a while to get your timing back in in particular. But guys, there's enough technology now where guys can train and simulate and do all of those things that they would normally do. Like you can... You know, like you can do underwater training. You can uh, you can understand how much load that that you have to put on your body. That's you know during the course of a season, how much stress is on there. So I think that that's the thing that's different now than it ever was. Is that people are very very cognizant and players understand well. Okay, that there is a way to train to make sure their body is ready to play. That makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. So you uh, and I'm sure you probably still have good friends in the league and everything like that. Yep. They're not. Are, do you think anyone is concerned about taking one of these guys? Or you know, not. Well, not the, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. the 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 guy that I've heard the most questions about is Rousseau. Okay. Who is a pass rusher? He had been a premium pass rusher only for one year at Miami, but they think he's a little thin. Um. And but then he came back heavier. So now they're like, is that going to mess up how how he plays? So if you show up looking the same, then they're going to go off the same evaluation. But if you have a small sample size and you show up looking different, then people are going to have questions. Whereas Jamar Chase showed up the exact same. He showed up big and he showed up fast. Right. And then he caught balls. So there's no question about him. Panay Sewell showed up looking exactly the same, just as athletic as they thought, just as strong or stronger than they than they thought he was. So so they're like, oh, okay, he's a, he's a lineman. He good feet. He's got arm, all these things. Okay, cool. I feel comfortable. M- Michael Parsons, pass rusher, showed up pretty much the same exact size, ran fast. You know all, all of these things. So those things don't give you pause. It's when a guy's body changes. That brings you questions. Makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. Yeah, no, and it's just it's just such an unprecedented thing that is going on in this one specific draft. We'll never have anything like this again um, because, you know, you look at the situation. It's just fascinating to me, and I was talking about this a little bit last night, is that there are guys in this draft that played zero games, 
haven't played in a year and a half. By the time that they take the field, it'll be close to two years. There are guys that played one, two, three games if they were maybe in the Pac-12. There were guys that played 12, 13 games. And so that to me is the single most fascinating thing about this upcoming NBA draft is I just think there are certain guys that are going to be this team loves him this team loves him and this team has so many questions because there's such a small sample size that he's, I don't want to say completely off their board, but whatever. So it's just such a dynamic that we've never seen before. It's a one-off deal, but I just find this stuff so interesting. Yeah, it is very, very interesting. Um, I am thinking about not only drafting players who, who opted out, but also... I'm wondering about drafting players and your draft picks, the value of those draft picks versus trading for proven players. And we saw that happen this week between a trade between the Baltimore Ravens and the Kansas City Chiefs. And we'll talk about that and more in just a few minutes. But first, we got to go to Mr. David Gascon to find out what's trending. Hey, guys, Kevin Durant off the bench is doing just fine right now for the Brooklyn Nets. 21 minutes worth of work, 26 points, 10 of 16 from the field. Right now, Kyrie Irving, 10 of 14 from the field, 34 points in 28 minutes. Brooklyn, 113, Phoenix, 97, seven minutes to play in the fourth quarter. Earlier today, Charlotte defeated Boston, 125 to 104. Grizzlies and Trailblazers underway in the second half. Memphis leading by 12, 76 to 64 in that contest. Major League Baseball, Dodgers and Padres in about 90 minutes from now in game number four. Diamondbacks in game one of their doubleheader against Atlanta won it 5-0. In the game two, they lead 6-0 over the Braves. Meanwhile, the Brewers have a 5-0 lead at Chicago over the Cubbies. Speaking of the other Chicago team, the White Sox, Doubling up the Rangers right now. Angel is taking care of business today against the Astros. Shohei Otani, seventh home run of the season for them. On the National Hockey League stage today, Boston and Pittsburgh. Penguins one nothing against the Bruins. Guys, back to you. Gas man, David Gascon, thanks for the update. Um, you guys, for a hot water that never runs out, go tankless with Navian. Navian tankless water heaters provide endless hot water for a spa-like comfort. Visit tanklessmadesimple.com and save hundreds with local rebates. Tanklessmadesimple.com. That's Navian. Um, and we are on Fox Sports Sunday. I'm George Reister. He is Aaron Torres. And we were talking specifically about the NFL draft. And... This week, we saw a, a trade, a big trade between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Baltimore Ravens. So the Chiefs get who's been a Pro Bowl right and left tackle, Orlando Brown, who's going into his fourth season, and the Chiefs get him, Orlando Brown, a 2021 second round pick and a 2022 sixth round pick, and the Ravens get the Chiefs 2021 first round, their their third and fourth rounder, and a 2022 fifth rounder. And that brought up the question of, do you want draft picks? Like, where do you value draft picks versus a guy who is clearly a made player in the NFL? 
So Orlando Brown has been pro bowler at right and left tackle, and he made second or third team all pro as well. He wants a contract extension because he came out of Oklahoma, wasn't drafted in the first round because he didn't appear athletic enough, but he's balling in the NFL. So now that begs the question, which is more valuable? A guy who can protect your, your franchise in your quarterback or that draft pick and Andrew Alejandro Villanueva who may replace him. So if you were drafting uh, Aaron, would you draft, would you want Orlando Brown if you're the chiefs or would you want those draft picks? So maybe you can pick one and save a little bit of money. So this is one of those things. It's funny, George, when we were all younger, we all watched sports and there were certain things that were kind of just foregone conclusions that never made sense. And one of them was the idea of draft picks being so important relative to uh, proven players. And I remember, you know, this was 15 years ago now, but Terrell Owens, when he was on the trade market one of the times, and he was still a really productive receiver. And, and I saw some, well, you won't get more than a fourth or fifth round pick for him. And I'm like, but he's one of the best wide receivers in the league. Why? why? Right? And, so, and so I bring it up because I feel like the opinion and the narrative has changed in pro sports, even more so maybe in the NBA, but even in the NFL, where Sean McVay's just like, I don't take these first round picks. We're going to, all of us are going to bat 50% on these guys at best. You take the first round picks, we'll take the proven commodity, whether it was Jalen Ramsey a few years ago, whether it was Matthew Stafford this year, Kyle Shanahan believes whoever he's going to get at number three is better than worrying about uh, you know filling a need at 27, 28, 22 in a year or two from now. So it feels to me as though the narrative is quickly changing and the value of draft picks, even first rounders, is going down. See, it, it depends on how you look, right? Because I don't like the way the Rams have been built. I feel like they're, uh, it looks to me like they're being built on payday loans. They keep sure. trading away all their first round draft picks and then they end up having to pay the guys who they drafted, uh, who they traded those first round picks away from. The only issue with that is, is that now your salary cap then is not being managed efficiently. Sure. Because th- that's why I would love to be the Jets. The Jets had a ton of money to spend in free agency. I think they have like 21 picks over the next two drafts and you can actually draft players and have them on their rookie contracts and they be major contributors on your team, right? And that's the and that's the scenario because as soon as those players like if you keep that like if you trade out of some of those picks next year because your roster is really good, then now you're going to have first round picks the following years as well. And that means that when some of those players come up for contracts, you'll have a choice. You can say, all right, I can pay this guy his market value or I can let him go, right? And just draft another guy to replace him, which which is going to keep my salary cap in tow. Because remember, one of the arguments that people consistently make is, they say, oh, well, you uh, you uh, can't win a championship after you pay your quarterback. First of all, that's not true. You just have to structure the contract properly. But part of it is that they don't consistently continue to draft other positions at a high level. That's the, that's the biggest issue is that when you don't draft well, 
then guess what? Your roster is going to have holes. And you don't need first-round draft picks to draft well. You just have to pick good players in the second, third, fourth, and fifth round as well. It is an interesting dynamic, and it is it is this is another one that has changed so much over the last five, six, seven years. And obviously, to a degree, it really started with Russell Wilson back when he won his first Super Bowl on a rookie contract with that great defense in Seattle. So, yeah, I mean, to me, so so to answer your question, I do still value veterans over the unknown. But I also do think that you bring up a very important point about the importance of having young guys on your roster on rookie contracts before you got to pay everybody. And even and the Rams are maybe even a perfect example of it, it, they have as since that Super Bowl run two or three years ago when Jared Goff was again on a rookie contract. They have some major holes on that roster, and and it didn't matter last year they made the playoffs, won a game as a wild card, whatever. But it's only going to continue that way, obviously, with Matthew Stafford getting paid a ton of money, all the veterans that they have across the board at the skill positions, Jalen Ramsey on defense, Aaron Donald on defense, et cetera. So it's an interesting point. I, I, I do still value guys that have done it, but you're right. This isn't the NBA where you can just keep trading first-round picks for a Kawhi Leonard or a Paul George or an Anthony Davis, and it doesn't come back to bite you at any point in the near future. Well, I mean, even oh, – okay, so the the Rams are built very similar – to how the Brooklyn Nets have been built, right? Absolutely. That that they don't have first round picks for the next few few years. The same way the Clippers are. They don't have control of their first round draft pick, I think, till like 2027. So 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 you have mortgaged your your future for guys in Kawhi Leonard and and Paul George and James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving, whose contracts don't even go as long as you don't even have those draft picks. Sure. So now, how are you supposed to continue? Like, So after they're either ready to leave, because we know that this could change at a drop of a dime, ready to leave, or they, they get hurt, or they run out of talent, or they retire, whatever it is, then, then what are you supposed to do? Then what are you supposed to do? Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 we won a championship, or we didn't. Oh, man, but that was a great, great ride. Now we got to spend five years in purgatory because of our bad decisions. Well, 100%, and and that is what is so – that's why the, the parallel that you made, the payday loan thing, is is a great parallel, right? You, you Yeah, you're driving around in that nice car, but you got to take out a loan to get it. Then you got to take out a loan to pay for the loan that you paid the car with. And <laughs> it, does, it does kind of feel like that is what the Rams are doing, is they're just trying to tread above water, sell PSLs, uh, all the stuff that's needed when you open a brand-new stadium, especially in the middle of a pandemic when you missed a year's worth of, of uh, ticket sales. And so it is kind of a fascinating deal where – um, whether it is the NBA where, oh, by the way, Paul George and Ka- Ka- uh, Kawhi Leonard, excuse me, have an opt-out here pretty soon where they're not committed to the Clippers very long term, uh, or the NFL where you look at a team like the Rams where it looks good on paper, but again, the foundation isn't there. It's it's interesting. I hadn't really – I mean, I, I obviously understand the concept of the salary cap, rookie contracts, and all uh, how all that works, but I hadn't really thought about the kind of the, the balancing act that the Rams are playing of, yeah, it's kind of quote-unquote win-now mode, but you don't win now, you could be in some big trouble for the next four, five, six years. Exactly. And, yeah, if you don't win win now, then you, then you have ruined your uh, f- future for nothing. And remember, there's only one win a year. So you have a team like in the NBA where the Lakers are going out trying trying to win. 
The Clippers are trying to win right now. Brooklyn Nets are trying to win right now. The Bucks are trying to win right now. The reality is, is that the Suns are upcoming. There are other teams who are, like all those teams are not going to win a championship. But even if those teams don't win a championship, they may end up with an NBA MVP though. Um, So we'll break down our MVP race for this year because there's so many candidates. You got Joel Embiid. You got uh, Nurkic, you have, I'm sorry, Joker, Jokic, you have Steph Curry, and so many more. We'll talk about that up next, and you guys can weigh in, 877-996-6369, on Fox. Who is your NBA MVP? I'm George Reister with Aaron Torres, and this is Fox Sports Sunday. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Hey, I'm Doug Gottlieb. The podcast is called All Ball. We usually talk all basketball all the time, but it's more about the stories about what made these people love their sport and all the interesting interactions along the way. We talk to coaches. We talk to players. We tell you stories. You download it. You listen to it. I think you'll like it. Listen to All Ball with Doug Gottlieb on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade. At the Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day savings event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. 
Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Fox Sports Sunday. I'm George Reister with Aaron Torres, and we are here on the radio. Uh, we were talking about the NF, the NBA MVP race, and there are so many people that have weighed in on this. You've you've had Joel Embiid come out and say, "Oh, I should be the MVP. I'm out here balling this year." And I look at this and I'm like, "Yeah, you're balling, but." My biggest but is, is that he's missed 19 games already, 19 games. And and to me, when I look at the uh, the NBA this year, the MVP race has been a war of attrition. It looked like it was going to be LeBron's race, but then he gets injured. It looks like uh, Harden may get into it. Nope. Harden gets injured as well, and he had its unceremonious exit from Houston, and then he's playing with other superstars with the Brooklyn Nets. You've had Giannis, who people have fatigue with. They're like, oh, yeah, Giannis, but he didn't win in the playoffs. They hold that against him. Kawhi Leonard hasn't played a ton of games either. So then that leaves us with Nikola Jokic, who has been... I'm sorry, who's who's leading his team in points, rebounds, assists, and steals. And then you have Steph Curry, who's been creeping in. And you have a guy who I don't think is getting enough credit in Paul Pierce. I'm sorry, Paul Pierce. Chris Paul, who is, if it weren't for him, the Phoenix Suns would not be nearly as good as they are. So, Aaron, who is your MVP right now? I'm so glad you mentioned that last name because – to me, we have so watered down. This is okay. This is a regular season award, and we have so watered down what value actually means. And so, yes, I'm a guy that it, I do have Giannis fatigue, and I get it. It's a regular season award. I just said it. I understand he hasn't performed in the playoffs. It shouldn't take away from what he did the last couple of years. But even if you go back to last year, he was incredible. His numbers were improved. But LeBron James literally took the Lakers from outside of the playoffs to the number one seed in the West and obviously eventually the championship. We didn't know that when the award was given. And so to me, when you talk about value, you're talking about a Phoenix Suns team that hasn't made the playoffs in years. And I know they played well late in the bubble. I get all that. They were really hot. But for for this team to take that next step and Chris Paul be the only difference from last year's roster to go from the number 9 seed or number 10 seed, I guess, if you include the play-in games, to the number 2 seed knocking on the door of the best record in the uh, in the entire NBA, I don't know how it's not Chris Paul or at least why he is not a very, very, very strong candidate at number, uh, number 2 or number 3. Because people care about stats. I agree. That's that's the only reason because if if because quietly, what people are talking about, they're saying, "Oh yeah, Chris Chris Paul is is absolutely fantastic." They're they're like, "Yeah, but he's only sixteen points, almost five rebounds, nine assists a game. That doesn't feel MVP like." And I'm saying, "Wait, what?" So so you're gonna discount a guy. On the best, on could be the best team in the NBA record wise, 
And then, but then we're going to discount. So his numbers aren't good enough. But then Giannis is 28, 11, and 6. That's not good enough either because they're like, oh, yeah, that's what it, that's what Giannis does every year. Why should why should we pay attention? So if you if either one of those things don't matter to you, then all right. OK, then let's just go to the new people. Then you say, all right, here's here's uh, the Joker. All right. I, I can buy that, particularly if without Jamal Murray, he can keep this team in the, you know, in the top four of the Western Conference. So, yes, I could potentially give him a vote then. But then you look at Steph Curry, who is playing on one of the worst rosters in the NBA, and he's not getting the love despite carrying them, carrying a 1,000-pound gorilla of a bad roster on his back. Absolutely. And, and to me, it just goes back to exactly what you said. What is value? Value needs to be considered not only in stats, but with wins and losses and where a team would be, which is why I do think Steph Curry probably has a stronger case than a lot of people give him credit for as well. Absolutely. But will they vote him? We shall see. Uh, value is big time. But Trevor Lawrence, who has a lot of value in a draft, he's losing a lot of money by coming out this year. Tell you next. Yeah, this is Fox Sports Sunday. I'm your boy George Reiser with Aaron Torres because Daddy Dan Byer had a baby. Actually, Mrs. Byer had a baby. Dan just sat there and uh, hopefully didn't didn't faint and he did something. But she deserves all the credit. And Dan, congratulations to you for being so blessed. Um, we were talking about a guy who is going to be blessed on Thursday. That is Trevor Lawrence, who's going to be uh, he, the number one overall. He was blessed pick. the day he was born. By the way, I hate to cut you off, but six foot six, <laughs> six foot six with that arm, he was blessed the day he was born. But Dude, continue, George. Do you know what is funny about that? Is I tell my fifteen-year-old son all the time. I say, son, you were born on third base athletically, buddy. And as far as being very smart as well, I'm like, dude, you were born on third base. Congratulations. And he was like, what do you mean? I was like, dude, you just turned 15. You're six two, almost six three. You're fantastically athletic. You've got a rocket arm. Like, I'm like, what? Con- congratulations, buddy. All you got to do is just work hard and don't screw it up. I like how you and- threw in smart there, too. Did you throw in handsome? Did you let him know he was handsome? He got lucky with that hey, one too, or what? Hey, he he is extremely handsome. He's he's more handsome than I than I am. So I don't know how much credit that I can take for for that one. But uh, but uh, yes, he is a uh, he is that he is that as well. That's so uh, um, and so you have Trevor Lawrence who has been blessed coming out of the womb. He had great parents to nurture him as well. All of this, right? So he's going to be the first overall pick. Nobody is going to cry for Trevor Lawrence in in his in his pocket or his <coughs> or his station and opportunity in life. But the reality is that Trevor Lawrence is missing out on a ton of money. A ton of money because of the situation in the NFL and in college right now. So if you look uh, back in the year before Cam Newton came out. So Cam Newton came out in the 2010 draft, I believe. And that was the year that the rookie wage scale went into effect. Mm-hmm. So the year before that, Sam Bradford was the number one overall pick. 
He got a six-year, $75 million deal. I think this is in 2009. Six-year, $78 million deal with, a, with $50 million guaranteed. And he got 17 mil, 17.9 to sign and $13 million in average salary. And players didn't like that because they were like, hold up, these rookies come in and they're not the best players, but they're paid more than the players who are coming in the league. So then the next year, Cam Newton signs a deal, four years, $22 million. Mm-hmm. What? And the whole thing was guaranteed. Andrew Luck next year, four years, $22 million. And you're just sitting there like, wait, what? And then as the years have gone on, 10 years later, Joe Burrow, four years, $36 million. And then, I yes, there is the fifth-year option, which is picked up on most of these guys, but that doesn't count in the beginning. So think about how much money in 11, well, 12 years between when Sam Bradford got drafted and – and and Trevor Lawrence getting drafted this this year, he probably would have gotten a hundred million dollars guaranteed. So he missed money there. And then starting this year, name, image, and likeness uh players will be able to make money in college football. Trevor Lawrence would have been the number one cash cow. So and there are estimates that he would have made in between five and ten million dollars in one year in college just from being able to uh be a pitch man for a car dealership shoes whatever the hell else and then you consider that the rookie that the salary cap is going down in the nfl this year aaron we, we we have to feel bad for trevor right yeah, I mean, I don't know how bad we're supposed to feel. I mean, but, you know, I, I thought when you discussed that you and I were talking before the show, what are we going to talk about? I thought this was a very interesting topic. And it is kind of fascinating is that it is, first of all, the name, image, likeness. I actually did think about this the other day of like, man, how much would Trevor Lawrence have? Because you look at this upcoming season in college football, there really aren't those defined superstars like Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields last year. You have Spencer Rattler, you got JT Daniels, you got whatever. Uh, but Tre- Trevor Lawrence would demand a ton. He has a huge social media media presence, whatever. But yeah, no, it's it's just it's so amazing how the dynamics have changed, and I'll never forget. And it's so funny you mentioned Sam Bradford because I was thinking about it when you were setting up that conversation of I wonder what Sam Bradford's doing right now. I don't know what he's doing, but I bet he's living a pretty good life because uh, you know he got paid so much. So it is crazy how much uh, how much things have changed in the NFL over the last three or four years. And then to come in a year after the pandemic, a year after name image likeness hits college football, it's just kind of crazy to think about. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Abs- absolutely. And when you look at their career earnings, right? Um. Yeah. When when you look at Sam Bradford's career earnings. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question. Do you think that Sam Bradford, who saw, who got $50 million, $78 million in his first con- contract, and I think he saw pretty much all of it, um, do you think that he, who, or Cam Newton has made more money in the NFL, who was drafted the next year? Well, when you con- contextualize it like that, I mean, it's got to be Cam- it's got to be Sam Bradford, right? Yes, Sam Bradford, who who uh, was with the Rams from who was with the Rams for five years, right? 
And then he was with the Eagles, the Vikings, the Eagles, the Vikings, and then the Cardinals, right? Sam Bradford in total cash in his his career earnings, $130 million. Oh, my goodness. I would have never guessed that. I would have guessed, like, well, you said 50 off the top. I would have said, like, 80 total. That's crazy. 100 no, how much? No, no, no. His first deal, the total deal was worth $78 million. Okay, but you said only 50 was guaranteed. So I would have assumed because of injuries and everything that he would have gotten close. He would have only gotten close to the guarantee. Nope, nope. He could because he was there for five years. So he wow. got pretty much all of it. And Cam Newton, who has been an MVP, right? Mm-hmm. An MVP. He has been a pro bowler. He's been to a Super Bowl. He's been like all like he you could not you would say that Sam that Cam Newton's had a significantly better career than uh Sam Bradford, right? I think we would all say that, yes. Cam Newton, $125 million. That's incredible. $125 million. So that's the difference literally between because if Cam Newton had been drafted the year prior, then when he hit free agency, he would have been worth way more because, because think, because think about this. If you come in the league and your average salary is $13 million, like Sam Bradford's was when it comes to free agency, if you're playing well, like at at an MVP level, like Cam Newton was when he would have needed a new contract, he's making 13 already. Like you, you don't get a raise to 15. You get a raise to like 36. You know what I mean? Like there's no, like, so it created a, a ceiling on how much guys could potentially make and also put a little bit of a cap on some of their, on some of the free agent salaries as well, because you would have a guy come, coming in who's a free agent, who's the best receiver in the league, saying, "Look, I'm gonna have no rookie make more than me. You might as well forget about that, buddy." So d- instead of me asking for 17, I want 22. See, I, I was just gonna ask you. I don't mean to cut you off. What was the reaction of guys in the locker room? Because you were what, like a sixth round pick? Like you had to earn every single thing that you got in this league. And I'm sorry if you were drafted ahead of that. I was doing. I, 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 I was fourth, but fourth. But okay, fine. you were a fourth round pick. All right, ahead of Tom Brady. Okay, no big deal. But what was it like when you walked in that when that rookie walked in that locker room that first time? And you're like, dude. And and by the way, I will also say just in general, professional sports are so fascinating because it's the only job in America. Where you know what everyone is making, yes. those are your peers. Like, like you and I, you could be making twice as much money to do this radio show right now. I would have no idea. Maybe we're making the same. Maybe we're making or different, vi- and vice versa. Yeah, and we just got to show up and we got to grit our teeth and whatever. Whereas in the NFL or the NBA or Major League Baseball or whatever, you know exactly what every guy is making in that locker room. So what was it like the first time that rookie walked in, probably driving a nice car, you're a fourth-round pick trying to grind it out, uh, get your opportunity. What was it like uh, to see that guy walk in the first time? Um, Okay, so I've never begrudged guys for getting their their money because for for every player that's been overpaid – there is somebody who has been dr- dramatically under underpaid, you know. So it just depends on which side of the coin or the luck coin that you end up falling on, right? But the but the idea though that so I never minded rookies coming in making a lot of money. My only issue was 
the reason why I didn't like the way the current that the the way the rookie setup was prior to the rookie wage scale was just the fact that rookies who came in the league, the team had committed so much money to them as first round draft picks. Had to play them. That yeah, that you had to play them above players who were really good, right? And they would get kind of squeezed out. And this first round draft pick would get so much opportunity, so much you you know let uh, so much wiggle room to just do whatever. Look at the the Tennessee Titans this year. If this if the rookie contracts had continued the way they they had, a guy like Isaiah Wilson who the Titans drafted, who was an absolute screw-up yep. this last year. They drafted him in the first round of 2020. They traded him to the Dolphins for absolutely nothing. And they, I mean, literally nothing. All they did is swap six-round draft picks. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. That's it. That's nothing. And then they... Uh, and then as soon as he got to Miami, he was screwing up there. They released him already. So it's like... How the hell, like, there's no point in time where if they had committed, you know, $20 million to a guy that you could release him when he's screwing up and he would be taking a roster spot away from somebody who deserved one. No, and it's, again, it's, I think it's for the betterment of the league. I mean, you Like you said, you can't begrudge Sam uh, Sam Bradford for getting the money that he got, for Jamarcus Russell for getting the money that he got, for Matthew Stafford for getting the money that he got. But at the same time, I mean, I, I, you're you're right. I mean, I guess jealousy is probably not the right word, but it is tough, and this happens in all sports. I mean, the NBA people don't realize, you know, and I'm so involved with college hoops, but it's like you know these guys, uh, these young guys enter the league and they think. Uh, you know, well, if I go in the second round, it's okay. There will be a roster spot for me. And it's like, you don't understand. No. Yes, exactly. There's- You're on a non-guaranteed contract, homie. You're on a non-guaranteed contract. But uh, I actually think that that's a really good di- discussion, Aaron, and we'll pick that up in a little bit. Uh, but in just a few minutes, guys, we will be joined by Adam Kaplan, Fox Sports Radio NFL insider and host of the Inside the Birds podcast in just a few minutes all here on Fox Sports Sunday. I'm George Reister with Aaron Torres. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at the Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful 
natural flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Fox Sports Radio. I'm George Reister with... Aaron Torres, and we are on Fox Sports Sunday. And now we are joined by a friend of the program, Fox Sports Radio, NFL Insider, and host of the Inside the Birds podcast. Find him on Twitter, at Kaplan NFL. Adam Kaplan, welcome to the show. Guys, good to talk to you today, as we are now just four days from the NFL draft. Okay, so ordinarily, I, I always have some sort of, you know, some – some angle that I want to go on and I do today, but I want to ask you because you always have some secret, some sort of, you know, in your something in your tool bag that you're ready to come with today. What you got for us today, Adam? Yeah, I think guys that it may not happen in like the next couple of days, but I think there's going to be a team that, tra- that trades up from the teams to the inside the top 10. I had a GM tell me that, um, that uh, one team continues to call them, and they won't stop, and they feel like they want to get something worked out. Now, it's all contingent upon something happening, like the player being at the spot that they want to trade up to. If not, they're not going to do it. But I do think something's going to happen now. The next question would be, if there's a team that trades up, what would they be trading up for? Well, quarterback is obviously the popular one. Let me give you the other position. Cornerback. There are two elite corners in this draft, and then it drops off. Caleb Farley would be the third, but he's unfortunately got um, the, the medical issues uh, in terms of two back surgeries, ACL reconstruction for 2017. And there, there's some issues uh, medically with him, so he may not even go in the first round. Uh, some teams look at it. But it's really J.C. Horn, son of Joe Horn, of course, and Patrick Sertain, the second uh, son of Patrick Sertain. Those are the two corners that you would draft up, trade up for. Because the reason is this. If you were going to trade up for a corner, you, you understand that. Farley's got the medical, and, and, and Newsom, the corner for Northwestern, is going to go much later in the, in the first round. He's going to go in the first round. So if you want a league corner, you better trade up for, for one. If you don't, you're not going to get one. That's, that's the thinking around the league. Every single time uh, any of us refresh uh, any mock draft or anything that we yeah. do, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, number three, Mac Jones, Justin Fields, Mac Jones, yeah. Justin Fields, yeah, exactly. Mixon, Trey, Trey Lance. 
As we sit here, and it's about 3.23 Pacific time, 6.23 Eastern, subject to change by the minute. If you had to venture a guess as to what San Francisco is going to do at number three, do you have any idea at this particular moment, Adam? There's a, the, the, the one theory, uh, I had a GM think it's ridiculous to take Mac Jones there. He just doesn't see the, that how he's any better than Jimmy Garoppolo. But it, in the end, my answer would be Justin Fields with an asterisk. And the asterisk would be for Mac Jones. If you're going to draft Mac Jones at three, you would only do it because he's a system quarterback. Well, now, you could say every quarterback's a system quarterback, but he's more of a high accuracy, get the ball out, um, distribute it get, it, get it to the right player. But as George knows, playing the game at the NFL level, if you can't, if you can't drive the ball downfield, especially in today's NFL, you're not a first-round pick. I mean, I know teams that don't have a first-round grade on him. Uh, I, Justin Fields makes the most sense because he's got so much ability, great kid, um, you know he's got some stuff he's got to work on, but what quarterback has ever finished product you know coming into the draft? They're not. Uh, so that Aaron, to answer your question, uh, to me it's got to be Fields and Trey Lance, who we didn't mention. He's the big super project that teams think shouldn't play year one, but has got so much upside. He's also a really high character kid. He just needs a lot of development and is nowhere near ready to go this season. So, uh, Adam. With the number two pick, because we were talking about it earlier, and it doesn't seem like anybody is giving any possibility that there could be any other result besides Zach Wilson. Is there any way that that the Jets were sold on Zach Wilson and then may ultimately end up uh, picking Justin Fields? And and what ripple effect would that have on the rest of the draft? No, because, George, I I do believe this. Um, I had a former GM tell me that. And he's, this, this guy's consultant for a team. He said, look, look, I graded all the quarterbacks. I watched every throw every quarterback has made in this draft. He said, Zach Wilson, there's certainly things you can knock him about, but he's such a bet. He said, he goes, if you just look at projecting the next six to ten years, because that's, you know, that's, you want your franchise quarterback when you're picking at number two to be that guy. He said, if, if Trevor Lawrence is one, this kid is 1A, Zach Wilson. He's that gifted. He's, he's a type A personality. He's... He's got his own. He's sort of an Aaron Rodgers type guy. Um, he he's aggressive. He he could rub people the wrong way, but he's unbelievably gifted. And you have to know how to coach him, though. I will tell you from uh, checking into him, he's a guy that you better have a plan because he's going to want to have the answers, and you better give it to him. That's really interesting. Adam. So what what do you mean you better be able to coach him in terms of he is uh, going to push back in a positive way, not in a negative way, but that he's somebody that is going to want to be coached but uh, isn't going to put up with nonsense? He needs to be coached hard, I, sure. I would say, he, to answer your question. he Like, for instance, you know, they said this about Josh Rosen, though the quarterback – there are they're, they're different styles of quarterbacks, but the issue with, with Wilson is that when you, when you coach him, he, wants to be, he knows he needs to be coached a certain way to, to, get, to get the most out of him. That's the word around the league. He's a di- just a different guy. If you, if you looked at the top five quarterbacks, he's the most unique personality of the five of them, I would say, of the group. And if you don't coach him hard and you don't feel like uh, – or he doesn't feel like he's got the, the – the, the, getting the right answers, he's, he's could get a little crusty is the way he was explained to me by uh, teams. Now, people like him a lot. Uh, th- they think he's going to be very, very good because he's super gifted. But you just have to know kind of what you're getting there. So if, if you, Adam, if you're looking at the rest of the draft and, you know, how teams are valuing 
picks versus players because we had a trade with the Kansas City Chiefs mm-hmm. and the Ravens for Orlando Brown. How do most teams value picks versus a guy like Orlando Brown, who's been a multiple-time Pro Bowler and in a second or third team All-Pro, versus those draft picks that they gave up? Yeah, so let's talk about the Orlando Brown trade. And the reason why teams think that the, the uh, Chiefs did a good job, the Chiefs at 31 were not going to get a good left tackle. They're just not – it's a top-heavy draft. It's, it's actually fairly deep at tackle. But if you want a pro Bowl type tackle, there's not that guy at 31. That's exactly why they made the deal. Uh, they knew that. And the Chiefs, don't forget, folks, they, they're doing something that's almost unprecedented. Uh, they're pretty much rebuilding their entire offensive line. They're going to get one starter back, Duvernay Tardif, the guard who took the year off because um, he's a doctor and working on the COVID issue. Both tackles were cut. They're going to have a new center, two new tackles, and, and, another, and, and, and uh, another new guard. Now, Mike Remmers may or may not start at right tackle. They haven't decided that. He also could play guard. He's better off probably being a sixth offensive lineman. But, and they've done this, by the way, over just over two months. It's really remarkable what they've been able to do. And when you're an elite team like that, you don't worry about giving up late first-round picks. It's all about the player. And Orlando Brown, like his dad, is big guy, over six foot seven, and has a chance to be an outstanding left tackle. And don't forget, he was not a first-round pick. He's on the final year of his rookie deal. So, Adam, obviously a big conversation in this particular draft is the guys that did decide to opt out. And obviously it's a different uh, it was a different world back in July, August, September. We understand why guys made the decision that they did. Is there any hesitation or trepidation from teams about drafting a guy? I know you mentioned Caleb Farley's a little bit different. He just had surgery. Medical, yeah. But, yeah, is there any trepidation about a Jamar Chase, a Micah Parsons, guys that just haven't been in pads hitting for over a year, year and a half going into the draft? Not much, but what they're trying to do, it's funny you bring this up because I asked a similar question. What they're doing is in these Zoom sessions because you can't visit, they can't visit. You could talk to them at their pro day, though. What you'll do is you might have, you might, I, there might be, I think there's a rule that you could interview each player up to like five times in Zoom. You're probably, if you're not satisfied, you'll get someone else to interview them to make sure you get the right answers. But I've not heard of, Anything in particular where a team is very concerned, it's more about the off-the-field stuff. With Micah Parsons, he's an incredible talent. The comparison to Isaiah Simmons, the first-rounder last year from Clemson, who was drafted by uh, the Cardinals, that, that's a very similar comp, which I think is fair. But you know, in the end, um, it, it's more about off-the-field uh, character and medical. I don't think it's as much as um, the, the COVID issue. But you also have to find out, as, as one GM told me, when you're asking the question, you have to ask them, why did you opt out? Did you not trust um, you know, that you'd be safe? Like, what were the real reasons? And you have to be satisfied with that. that that's the way it's explained to me. Uh, Adam, I'm looking at wh- – well, I'm wondering what pick – because assuming that the Jaguars pick one, yep. uh, Trevor Lawrence, and you said Zach Wilson's – pretty surely going number two and then the 49ers are going to draft a quarterback right yep if okay so from from there what could then happen that kind of screws up people's draft board (laughs) from there like who could we see pick what positions like what could happen to just throw everybody in a tailspin well okay Atlanta see the the way that the league thinks Atlanta at four Carolina at eight Denver at nine okay Atlanta might be the fourth team, okay, to draft the quarterback. So we could see four quarterbacks in a row. Because if you're the Falcons, a GM explains to me, he goes, 
you're praying that you're not up there next year in the top five. That means because if you are, you obviously had a bad draft and you you're a bad football team. We know Matt Ryan's a starter no matter what this season. There will be it'll be start, certainly painful next year if they trade him due to the cap with the dead money, but it'll be less de- less uh, impactful um, if they move on from uh, instead of this year. But if you draft a quarterback this year, you've got your future quarterback. You, remember, you got a new coaching staff, a new general manager. There are a lot of people think in the end the Falcons are going to go with, with Fields if he doesn't go at three. I think that's a reasonable assumption. But if the quarterback, if, if Justin Fields does not go by number four, that screws everything up because the Panthers traded for Sam Darnold, okay? Keep that in mind. Uh, they like Sam Darnold. They, they, they're going forward. They're trying to trade Trady Bridgewater. We know that. They, they, they hopefully, they're, they're hopeful that they'll have a deal worked out by the draft. Um, what, if you, what if you're the Lions? You, now, you made that trade for Jared Goff, but you're not married to him long term. You know, what, what do you do? Um, the, the Vikings, they're locked into to, uh, Kirk Cousins for one more year after this year. They're locked up for the 22. Just think of it. If Justin Fields is a great question. If he is the guy, if he drops, this could be fun because somebody's going to trade up for him. Last one for me, uh, last one for me, Adam, is I did want to hit on the other quarterback. I don't think we've talked much about Trey Lance. Yeah. Just where, where are we at? I mean, we know the narrative by now. Played at the FCS level, played one game this year, didn't look sharp. Yep. But also every word that we're hearing is great character, great person, going to work. Nobody's going to work harder. Actually, on my show last night, we had the play-by-play voice of the North Dakota State Bison to talk a little bit about him. What are you hearing about this kid who is obviously we don't know much about? Yeah, he's going to go in the 20s. Now, could he go in the upper half? Sure. I mean, it, 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 look, I use the Mark Sanchez example. When the Jets were drafting Mark Sanchez, they were drafting quarterback no matter what. He, he, you know, he's a top 12 pick. It's when Tim Tebow went in the first round. I learned my lesson to never say never. Could, could Lance go in the top 15? Sure. Uh, because some, it only takes one team to like him. But the, the word around the league is he's a project. He shouldn't play year one if you could help it. Like, I know Pittsburgh probably won't do that. But that would be a smart pick for Pittsburgh because they really need to know who their quarterback of the future is. New England at 15, the absolute earliest Lance could go. And, and I reported last year that New England was not only looking at Cam Newton at quarterback. They were looking for a mobile quarterback. Bill Belichick changed his mind at quarterback. He wanted a guy he can move. And that's where Lance, I think the absolute earliest Lance could go would be 15 because Cam's a starter this season most likely. He's on a one-year deal. And year two, you could go with Lance. Um, you guys, he is Adam Kaplan, absolute NFL insider, Fox Sports Radio NFL insider and host of the Inside the Birds podcast. Adam, thanks for coming on the show today. Sounds good, guys. Thank you. Thank right, you, thanks. Adam. Uh, yeah, so, uh, so much to unpack there and so much to unpack from Tom Brady's comments because he sounds like bitter get off my lawn guy and we will tell you about that and more up next but first we got to go to the gas man david gascon what's trending sir george you're a baseball guy right yes sir aaron you're kind of sort of maybe kinda? yeah I, I watch games from time to time yeah, yeah. yeah. um you know the game of baseball has obviously changed the last couple of years because of covid right um you get runners at second base and in extra innings and if you're playing a double header uh, they're limited to seven inning games as opposed to nine innings. Um, a no hitter kind of took place just now in Atlanta. Check this out: Game two of a no no hitter between Arizona and Atlanta took place, but it does not count as a no hitter. Madison Bumgarner threw 
seven innings of hitless shutout ball as the Diamondbacks defeated the Braves today, 7-0. The game just ended moments ago. They actually swept the doubleheader, but the no-hitter will not count for Bumgarner because obviously he did not go the full nine innings of play. But that's one thing that we have seen now, obviously, taking place over the last couple of years with rule changes in Major League Baseball. Dodgers and Padres will get things underway in about 25 minutes from now in Los Angeles. Padres took the first two games of the series. Dodgers responded last night, winning game number three. In the NBA, Brooklyn 128, Phoenix 119. Kyrie Irving had 34. Kevin Durant off the bench had 33 and 28 minutes worth of work. Charlotte defeated Boston 125-104. And Memphis won at Portland 120-113. John Morant, 28 points and eight rebounds. Guys, back to you. Uh, thank you, Gas Man, David Gascon. So, um, it, today's been a crazy day. I actually just saw go across the ticker as well that uh, t- head coach, women's basketball, Kim Mulkey, yes. is leaving Baylor for LSU. Okay. I- I, I can't I can't I know that she uh, they they said welcome home um but like I associate Kim Mulkey with Baylor she's won I think two national championships three there. three I why are you leaving so okay uh, here's the deal I saw this headline come across my Twitter feed at like 6:45 yesterday morning and I just kind of rubbed my eyes and I was like this can't be right and so I spent way too much time on Saturday looking into this and one, it's obviously official. Kim Mulkey, three-time head coach or three-time national champion at Baylor, is leaving for LSU. Uh, now, my uh, my Baylor sources told me, you know, there's there's she. First of all, she's getting paid insane money from Baylor, so I can't even imagine what LSU just offered her. But she's she's from Louisiana. Her son played baseball at LSU. She's familiar with the program, but. I don't know whether she wanted some facility upgrade and Baylor wouldn't give it to her. I don't know if she just wanted a new chapter in her career. I'm not implying it, but maybe she's a little jealous that the men's team's getting too much attention. George, I looked it up. In the major sports, and and I'm, I'm including women's basketball here, judge me if you want, I don't think there's ever been a multiple time national champion without any weird NCAA stuff leave one job for another. Now, like, Urban Meyer was unemployed for a year between Ohio State and Florida, but uh, in terms of a coach that was a sitting head coach that's won multiple national championships, I could not find one, at least basically in our lifetimes. Uh, it's unbelievable. It's just insane. I, 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 It's insane. Dude, okay. So, um, Kim Mulkey at, at Baylor was making – Two point two seven five million dollars. Like she's making more than most of the men. I know. Like the like this is like this is not peanuts. So first thing is, how much did LSU have to pay her to leave? And the second thing is, is you're like, okay, if it weren't about money, then what is it about? You know what I mean? Like yes. if it weren't about money. Then what is it about? Well, and that's the million, 10, 12, 15 million. I don't know. I mean, it's the million dollar question because, listen, I mean, we can all insinuate, but first of all, I would say this. We were talking about it with NFL player salaries. You walk in the locker room, you know what everybody makes. This is the great thing about, uh, you know, this is the great part about that, the, the flip side of that, which is that the idea that 
Uh, LSU is a public school, so we're going to find out how much they're paying her. I have to imagine it's insane money. Now, George, let me let me kind of make this a broader thing because, again, I spent way too much time uh, looking into this. The LSU AD is a guy by the name of Scott Woodward. Before he was at LSU, he was at Texas A&M. He was the guy that put together the 10-year, $75 million contract to get Jimbo Fisher away from Florida State to LSU. Or to, to Texas A&M. LSU don't have money like Texas A&M. But what I'm saying is, I just give this guy so much credit because he is doing the thing that we would all do as fans, which is, hey, who's the best candidate? Let's just dump a pile of money in front of them and make them say no. This is the second or third time. He also, by the way, was the guy at Washington that hired Chris Peterson away from Boise. So this guy has a pretty good track record. I know I'm going crazy here but uh, over a women's oh. hire coach, but it's it's unbe- it's an unbelievable story. No, it, no, the unbelievable part is that she left. I know. That's the part about it. it, it you're just like, oh, wow. And and the other thing that's interesting about it is, okay, for, to, to, to what you just said, throw a, throw a pile of money at coaches, right? But then fans have some sort of like apprehension to players being paid. Yeah. Like it's so so we will we will ask you guys. You guys can weigh in on this. Um 877-99 on Fox, 877-996-6369. With this Kim Mulkey news, and then considering how many coaches jump ship from place to place, do you have a problem? With college athletes being paid, which is going to happen this year with name, image and likeness, the either the school is going to pay them on some level and they'll be able to make a make their own money. So the the coaches are the ones that started this transfer culture that people say that they hate. The coaches started it by jumping ship from place to place, assistant coaches, head coaches, all of this. Then now. It's come back to bite them in the ass, and they're like, oh, oh, gosh, can we get guys to stay? They should have to sit out. Like, come on, man. Go fly a kite because you you are the ones who started this. Nobody feels sorry for you at all. So, yeah. Do you, do, do you feel sorry for the coaches and anybody else in, in this situation? Because I guarantee Baylor signed recruits that – that they are going to that right. want to potentially stay at Baylor, committed to Mulkey, and yes, they could transfer without a penalty now, but but still, I, I don't like it. it. It's just it's just gross to me. Yeah, I mean, I don't know all the details, but that was kind of my first thought was they made the Elite Eight this year at Baylor, and you're right. I mean, a lot of those kids wanted to go to Baylor, committed to Baylor, but let's also be honest, a lot of them committed to play for Kim Mulkey, and now with the one-time transfer rule, she could basically just bring her whole roster over if she wants to. So there are And that means that she's got to kick other other right. women out that, that she has to force them out. Um yeah, which is cricket as well. Uh, so you guys are listening to Fox Sports Sunday. I'm George Reister. He's Aaron Torres. And up next, Tom Brady is old. Get off my man, get off my lawn, man, and we'll tell you why. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. 
Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade. At the Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day savings event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options see homedepot.com slash delivery for details the home depot how doers get more done getting ready to take on spring make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools from hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Fox Sports Sunday, I'm George Reister. He is Aaron Torres sitting in for my main man, Dan Beyer, who is now Daddy Dan Beyer, who he has now had a son, Broderick. He put him on social media. Absolutely cute kid. Must look like his mother. He's the daddy. Um, yeah, we got to give uh, Dan a big time shout out. Miss you, man. Take as much time as you need. This is just a precious time with you, your family, all of that. So congratulations to Dan Beyer. Uh, but we were talking about college players and they will be able to make money this year for the first time ever. And I love it. I couldn't hate it. In, I'm sorry. I couldn't love it anymore. And the transfer culture was actually started by the coaches. But your phone calls um, on this and any other subject, 877-99 on Fox, 877-996-6369. Wayne in Richmond, welcome to the show. A lot to say. Okay. <laughs> oh, exactly. I, I, you I left literally him speechless, George. I literally looked at my box and I was like, "Oh yeah, yo, did I lose programming or something?" Um, no. So, um, so, anyways, we'll 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 just m- move on then to uh, to what we were going to talk about as well, which was Tom Brady the, acting like the get off my lawn guy, the curmudgeon, the old man 
who is upset about the NFL jersey numbers. So linebackers and defensive backs will now be able to wear, in, instead of you know being able to wear for defensive backs 20s, 30s, and 40s, they'll be able to wear 1 through 49. Linebackers will be able to wear 1 through 59. Tight ends can wear uh, 1 through basically uh, 1 through 49. And then in the 80s, same thing with the wide receivers. And Tom Brady hates it. He says, oh, good luck figuring out who to block now. There's going to be a lot of bad, bad football. And I was, I, when I first saw it, I was like, well, he is right. It will be harder to identify people. But then I thought, the NFL rosters are very small. You get it. I like I you get a game plan every single week. It's not like guys change their numbers every week. You will know who they are. College players do it successfully. Because yeah, you have defensive linemen in single digit numbers in college. They do it successfully and figure out who to block. They do it in high school and you don't even have a real roster. So why can't Tom Brady figure it out? Because he's an old man and guess what? He will figure it out. He's just crying about it right now. I will tell you when I kind of just saw this story in general of the changing of the roster numbers, I thought it was about as uninteresting of a story as I could possibly imagine. Like, I I don't know. What is the conversation? I guess Tom Brady makes it a little bit more interesting but the bottom line is, yeah, he sounds a little bit cranky. He sounds a little bit old. Everyone will figure it out. Everybody will adjust. By the way, George, again, you played for a long time. You played your whole life. I played in high school, whatever. wasn't very good. But I bring it up because what's the first thing that happens when the offensive the offensive line breaks a huddle if they're still in a huddle? What does the offensive line do? Uh, they, they go and they point to whoever they point to the linebacker, who they're blocking to, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. So will it be any different now? I'm seriously asking, will it be any different because guys are wearing different Jersey numbers? Absolutely not. Because instead of there being a number 52 standing in the Senate, (laughs) in the center, it'll be a number 12 or a number two. And, and then, and because your center and your quarterback have watched so much game film and the coaches have identified because just to pull back the curtain, you get a game plan every week, and then they give you all the names and numbers of all the players on the on the defense. And guess guess what? If number two is a linebacker, you're gonna know number two is a linebacker. That's not gonna be confusing at all. You know his backups. That's the only problem. That's the only place where it could get a little bit confusing is if the third guy on the depth chart ends up in and you're like, okay, wait, hold up. Is he a linebacker or a DB? But it'll just require another 30 minutes of studying through throughout the week. I guarantee it won't kill Tom Brady. I guess so. I guess so. I mean, I, I saw the reaction from Tom Brady. Didn't really understand it. Can't lie. I kind of understand it even probably less now than I did when I first saw it. So. Oh, old people have trouble adjusting. Yeah, I mean, right. this is this is no different than you having a football coach saying, uh, like over at uh, Washington, Jimmy, like, we're going to run the football. We're going <laughs> to run the football and play defense. Well, even Nick Saban knows that you got to throw the football now. You got to throw it. There's no way around it. Um, one of the guys who you may need to throw the football is Justin Fields. Um, so he may be drafted at number three, but he has epilepsy. And Alan Fanica is in the Hall of Fame, and he has epilepsy, and he weighs in on that next. Live 
is Fox Sports Sunday. I'm George Reister. He is Aaron Torres. And for the very best NFL draft coverage, be sure to tune in to Fox Sports Radio throughout the first round of the draft on Thursday. Catch the NFL's best information man, Jay Glazer. Draft analyst Bucky Brooks, former number pick, number two pick, LeVar Arrington, and Fox's Kevin Burkhart, as they'll be live throughout the first round, beginning at 8 p.m. Eastern on Thursday. They'll have pick-by-pick predictions and reactions to all 32 first-round picks. That's Thursday night at 8 p.m. Eastern with Jay Glazer, Bucky Brooks, LeVar Arrington, and Kevin Burkhart right here on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeart app. So uh, we were talking about, we've been talking a lot about this NFL draft. And we were thinking, okay, what should the 49ers do with their third overall pick? The options could weigh anywhere in between Zach Wilson and Justin Fields or Trey Lance or Mac Jones, depending on who the Jets draft. And But most people think that, that Zach Wilson is going to go number two. So who do you believe or what do you believe the 49ers should do with that third overall pick? Because there is some people that say that, oh, they should draft Justin Pitt. I'm sorry, Kyle Pitts, tight end from Florida that everybody thinks is not everybody. A lot of people think it's going to be a Hall of Famer and just, yeah, just run him with Jason with uh, Kittle. And I'm like, uh, I don't know about that. But what do you think? What I would say is, so first of all, I'm not as anti-Mac Jones as other people. I think that it's easy to say, oh, anyone could have done what he did at Alabama. Well, he set an NCAA passing record in terms of completion percentage. So not anyone could have done it because literally nobody has done what he has done this year in college basketball, regardless of who their, who his teammates were. With that said, I would take Justin Fields. I, If I'm being perfectly honest, I would take Justin Fields at number two over Zach Wilson, which we talked about in hour one. People can go back and download the podcast, is... I just think there was a reason this guy was the consensus number two player on the board coming into the season, this guy being Justin Fields. Um, I think the reasons that he struggled are understandable. There was a lot of issues with COVID at Ohio State, start and stop to the season, uh, start and stop with games. He had a, a one game where his whole offensive line was essentially out with COVID against Michigan State. There was one game that Ryan Day was out and wasn't in the stadium. And so I understand why... Justin Fields' stock has slipped a little bit, but I also think there are explainable reasons why he struggled at times this year. To me, I would take him at number two. I don't think that would happen, but it wouldn't stop me from taking him at number three if I was the San Francisco 49ers. To me, that actually just all those points that you made make me feel like a kid is more resilient, that he's actually been through something. And then when you actually think about the fact that when you are a – a star like for instance Trevor Lawrence has been on the map since he was a junior in high school sophomore junior in high school has been the number one player in the country Justin Fields number two player in the country pretty much the whole time there is something to going that whole going going the distance and kind of and then staying at the top right like staying at the top having that longevity in the pole position and being able to deal with all the fame, the criticism, the hate, the, the success 
that all of them, that both of them have had and to continue to stay that course. I think that that is a remarkable thing and something that I look at as a positive thing from a kid as opposed to, uh, you know, looking at all the potential negatives. Absolutely. And listen, we've talked about throughout the show and a lot really as it pertains to Zach Wilson, you're going to deal with probably more what's in the controversy is not the right word, but more failure and adversity at the NFL level than you have at any point in your career, right? Like Trevor Lawrence is going to lose more games next year at uh, with the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> then he's lost in his whole college career. His whole and probably high school too. I think he I yep. think he only lost one game in high school. And so to me, um and, and I think it's such an important point is we talk about all these different variables, but Justin Fields, what was so impressive to me about him this season was all of everything that he overcame. It wasn't just that Ryan Day was out for a game. It wasn't just that his offensive line was banged up. It wasn't just that he had skill position players missing in the Big Ten Championship game. Oh, by the way, he was fighting for an entire league to play a season. And so you you look at the leadership that he showed. You look at the obvious football skill that he has. I'm with you. I think it's good to deal with a little bit of adversity. And, and and by the way, it's not like his numbers totally plummeted. His completion percentage was actually up a little bit this year from last year when everybody thought he was the you know the consensus number two player. Now, uh, you know, touchdowns were obviously down per game. You know, touchdowns were down, interceptions were up in a shortened season. But, like, it's okay to deal with a little adversity. It's not like he went from completing 71% of his passes to 54%. Um, so I'm with you. I think it's a good to deal with a little adversity. And I think the, the fact that he took a step back this year is being overplayed a little bit. Well, and then you have to consider the other adversity that he's gone through. Justin Fields has epilepsy. Like, he's dealt with epilep- epileptic seizures throughout his, his life. And learning how to deal with those has been a has been a, a thing that has been notable, and people are asking if if that should prohibit teams from drafting him. Would is that a concern for you? The epilepsy. Yeah. You know, all I can say is, look, it's so cliche, but it's true. We're not doctors. I don't know. All I can read, all I can do is react to what doctors and medical people are saying. And everybody says that as long as you have a good medical team around you, and I would hope that an NFL team has a really good medical team around them, that it shouldn't affect his career long term. So if it didn't affect it at Ohio State, Ryan Day came out and made some comments about it this week. And you trust your medical people that say it won't be an issue as long as we monitor it then I wouldn't have an issue with it. I really wouldn't. Oh, me? Not at, not at all. If this dude was able to play college football at this high of a level, and apparently other people in Justin Fields' family have had it, and they and the doctors believe it that he'll eventually outgrow it as his other family members have. And then you look at Alan Fanica, who weighed in on it, and he said, if I did it, so can Justin Fields, so can anyone else. It's part of us, but it doesn't define us and mind you this is alan fanica who was an all pro guard and just got elected into the um hall of fame 2021 class for the pro football hall of fame played for 13 years so if he can do it and justin fields has been doing this at a high level 
uh, for for this long, why on earth would we then say, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't know if he can do it, man. I don't know if he can do it when he's clearly been managing it um, and taking pills for it or what, whatever he has to do to make sure that he's fine. Then I, I'm not trying to knock. I'm not going to knock him, and neither am I going to allow anybody else to do it either. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it's it's no different than any other variable that you find out about before the draft, right? Is whether it's um, a, a, an injury history. He's had multiple knee surgeries. Well, you consult with your doctors. Is this going to be an issue? Is this something that's going to slow him down? Is it going to keep him from playing a fulfilling career? Um, you know, if it's a learning disability as far as the playbook's concerned, you talk to medical experts, is it going to matter? Is he having trouble learning the playbook, etc.? Uh, he's maybe lazy. He's this. He's that. It's no different than any other variable, and you have to use your own judgment to decide. But, again, this is a lot different than just being lazy, not being the first one in the building, whatever the case may be. By the way, this gives a new spin on last one in, last one in the building, first one to leave, huh? Maybe he was with, dealing with doctor stuff that we didn't even know about. But, like I said, there's so many variables, and this is just one of them. If you trust yourself and you trust your staff, I don't see why you would pass up on them. Yeah, I'm 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 not passing up on Justin Fields for for uh, that. Um but but an interesting prospect though is Trey Lance because he only he has very few starts in college under his belt. But if you look at his history, this is a kid who's from Minnesota, I believe. He had offers to play in college from the University of Minnesota. But he said, I'm a quarterback. And they said, no, you're not. Not at our university. So we'll, we want you to play DB, wide receiver, something along those lines. And he, and he said, no, I'll find somewhere else. And that was North Dakota State. He went there, balled out, and now here's where we are. And for me, I look at that positively. I'm saying, why, why on earth would I, a guy who is willing to bet on himself, work at that level to then turn himself into this, and I'm supposed to think that he won't be successful in the NFL? Nah, that's a no for me. I think it's a solid point. I think it's a solid point. I mean, you just look at – I mean, it's just – I don't even know how to say it, but you can use any of these parallels, right? It's like Devontae Smith. He's weighted 166 pounds this week. Well, some people are seeing it as a detriment – I'm seeing it as he balled out against the best defensive backs in college football. Uh, You know, Derek Stingley, who's going to be a first-round pick next year. Uh, J.C. Horn, I don't know if he played him this year or last year. But, you know, if he can succeed and thrive and push himself to get to this level, I don't see why it would be a detriment. And it's the same with Trey Lance. I'm with you in that the guy clearly has a work ethic. I think I mentioned it when Adam Kaplan was on a minute ago um, that we had on the play-by-play voice of the North Dakota State uh, Bison on my show on Saturday night, and he talked about his work ethic, his character. Again, first one in the building, last one to leave. And so, no, I I mean – if it, I, I agree with what Adam said earlier. I don't know that I would draft him if I felt like I needed a quarterback to start day one next year, but I wouldn't hold it against him that, oh, you know, he only played this many games or at this level or whatever. Yeah, and, that, and you brought up an interesting point with Devontae Smith because he did only weigh 166 pounds, and people are wondering, oh, can, can he go out and play and be a, a successful 
um, wide wide receiver because they're wondering if people will then be able to push him around, jam him up. I say that's where you turn on the the film, and people say, "Oh, well, the only comp is is Marvin Harrison." I'm saying, okay, maybe that's because he's more like that than he is anybody else, <laughs> you know. And if you don't, that you have to let the film talk. If the film says he doesn't get jammed up, and granted, Alabama did a lot of stuff to keep him moving around to keep him from getting jammed real quick can i jump in with you on yeah isn't that the coach's job to look at the film see what steve sarkeesian did well and say i'm not saying you have to copy the blueprint verbatim but isn't that part of a coach's job if you're going to draft any guy to put him in a position to succeed whether it's a quarterback with a lack of experience whether it's a wide receiver that's a little bit undersized whatever it is big facts that is the absolute truth and sometimes coaches they don't get enough credit for for draft pick failures. They blame it on the yep. kid. Not all, not enough time on the coach. You guys are listening to Fox Sports Sunday. I'm George Reister. He is Aaron Torres. In just a few minutes, we will have special guest Benjamin Albright, NFL draft expert, on as well here on Fox Sports Radio. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at the Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with color flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.
here on Fox Sports Sunday. I'm George Reister with my with my partner in crime today, Aaron Torres, because my main man Dan Byer is out and he's now a daddy. Congratulations again to Mr. Dan Byer. So we will um don't know when we're gonna get Dan Dan back, but listen. Yes, exactly. And if he falls asleep during a segment, we will know why, because he's probably not going to be getting very much rest at night, but he'll have a big smile on his face. But now we have to join in uh, to the program. Benjamin Albright, NFL draft expert, um, an analyst over at KOA in Colorado, host, reporter, all of those things. Extraordinary. Ben, welcome to the show. Hey, man, good to hear your voice again. How you doing? Man, I'm good. I'm good. So it's been, you know, a whirlwind uh, leading up to this NFL draft. What are some, and I know that you're in the unknown, so what are we, what do you want to tell us? Just just me, you, and Aaron, not the thousands or millions of people listening. Let us in on what's on your phone right now. <laughs> oh, well, what is it Sam Jackson says in, uh, in Jurassic Park? Hold on to your butts. Uh, this one looks like it's, uh, it's going to be interesting. It's, it's anybody's, anybody's guess on a lot of this stuff because information has been a lot harder to come by this year with, a, you know, with a lot of the COVID stuff. And, you know, I think everybody's kind of pinpointed that, uh, that number three and number four pick are really where the draft takes off. Um, and, and kind of trying to figure out what the, what the Niners are doing and what the Falcons are doing after that and going from there. And I, I think that this thing really is kind of super unpredictable at this point in terms of which way it's going to go because nobody knows what the Niners are going to do. All right, a little bit of a two-part question here, Benjamin, is one, uh, first of all, is Zach Wilson a 1,000% done deal with the Jets? And the reason I ask is because it just feels like we have just completely dismissed the idea that the Jets could possibly take anyone other than Zach Wilson. And if if there is a chance that he won't go there, I'd be curious for your thoughts. And then if he is, do you have any sense right now where the 49ers are actually leaning at number three? Well, I think Zach Wilson at two is a done deal. Um, I, and there's several reasons for that. The least of which is that uh, uh, you know Zach Wilson was number one on some people's boards, including uh, Kyle Shanahan. So um, I think that you know, or at least that's that's what's been intimated to people around the league. So I think that that makes a lot of sense that he'd be the guy there, especially if they're going to run that same offense um, with uh, with Lafleur there, his former OC. Um, in terms of the number three overall pick, man, it is it really is anybody's guess. I. You know, the people I talk to believe it's Trey Lance. They're not going to believe it's Mac Jones until, the, you know, the name is called. And uh, I'll tell you, I had a I had a talk with a guy who works in the front office for a rival team of theirs, and he said, uh, he said, well, I'm not going to believe it's Mac Jones until Roger Goodell reads a card, and even then I'm checking my television to make sure that wasn't CGI'd in there. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm one of those people, I can't buy the Mac Jones thing, Ben. I just can't because I, I'm looking, I'm saying that – and it's partly because I want to believe Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch are very smart people. And I cannot see a very smart person trading up from 12 to 3 to draft Mac Jones, right? 
I, I just, I, I can't get it either. I don't like Mac Jones does a lot of things good. Like he's, he's okay. He's a good quarterback. He does a lot of things good, but what does he do better than anybody else? What is it that jumps out at you that says that this is the guy? And I just don't see it. I see underthrown balls. Um, you know, I see a guy that was surrounded by a ton of talent in Alabama that kind of carried him a little bit. Um, and so I just like, I, you know, what does he, he does that elevates the team around him? Somebody answer that question to me. And, and if you could figure that answer out, maybe that'll convince me. What about the Falcons at four? I'll just toss it over to you, Benjamin. Obviously, we know there's trade options. We know there's a, a small possibility they could take a quarterback themselves, a playmaker. Any sense for what the Falcons are planning on doing it for? Well, I think if Trey Lance is there, there's a conversation to be had. Um, Trey Lance is Terry Fontenot's guy, and you know I think that uh, I think if he's there, there's definitely a conversation to be had. If not, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Kyle Pitts. I don't, I don't think they're moving out of there. And you know Arthur Smith has been pretty pretty adamant that he wants Kyle Pitts and could turn him into something. You know, look what he did with Johnny Smith in uh, you know in Tennessee. So I, I I think it's those two options. Um, you know, there may be some discussion around Fields if he's there. I I don't know, but I I think that from what I understand, I think it's Trey. Lance or, uh, or or Kyle Pitts. Um, there are a bunch of uh, questions about what the Denver Broncos are are going to do because they're sitting at number nine, and everybody knows they're not completely sold on Drew Locke, but they don't necessarily need a quarterback, but they kind of do. But they need a bunch of other stuff at, at, as well. What do you think that the Broncos ultimately do with their pick? Um, you know, I think they they sit there at nine and they kind of let the draft come to them. And you know, if Trey Lance is there, I think that's one they they take a look at. Um, I, I think they consider it. I think they consider looking at you know when the whatever quarterbacks fall there, they're considerate. But um, I, I don't think they're trading up. I think they're kind of letting it come to them. They they like Drew Locke. They don't love him. It's kind of like you know, and you dated that girl, and you know she was she was good to you. And you, you didn't really have a whole ton of complaints, but yeah, I was kind of wondering. You always you know looking for something better. You weren't going to just jump out of it, but if something the opportunity to trade up you kind of were looking for it and I think that's how the Broncos are with Drew Locke right now Benjamin obviously a big kind of conversation that was had this week was Devontae Smith for people who apparently did not see him he is short and skinny uh that has not really (laughs) changed since uh September and uh October November when he was tearing apart some great defenses in the SEC was that actually a conversation being had in NFL front offices or just dumb media guys like myself? And I don't know if George feels the same. I don't, I don't really care, but I'm just curious. Do NFL teams, was this like a big shocker to them or anything like that? Well, you know, with the amount of short and skinny stuff that was going around on Twitter, I thought I was getting, uh, I thought I should be trending for a minute there. But, <laughs> there you, um, you know, it's, uh, no, it, 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 I mean, a little bit in front of offices, you know, they're aware of his size. It's not like they weren't aware of his size, but, you know, I mean, he's basically the same size as Deshaun Jackson. And that guy had just, just fine career in the NFL. You know, we've, we've seen Hollywood Brown come out there and he's, he's smaller. Um, you know, he's been just fine. The question is, is, you know, what can this guy do? You go back, you look at the tape, and the tape's your DNA. And you see a guy that's just t- beating up SEC defenses all year. I don't think he's going to have a problem in the NFL. It's just, um, you know, this kind of stuff gets floated out close to the draft because some teams want uh, other teams to pass on a guy and let him fall in their lap. Um, How bizarre is it, though, for this draft that the amount of premium defensive players versus quarterbacks and the fact that it is possible that no defensive players are taken in the top ten I mean, it would be the first time in the common era since 67. How bizarre is that, and do you think that that could potentially happen? 
Uh, there's there's a couple scenarios where that does happen. I, I think there's going to be one taken in the top ten because I don't think Dallas is getting out of ten, and I think they take Sertain there. But um, you know, I, I think there's going to be one, and there's there's possibility for more. It just depends on Detroit and you know a couple of little situations there. Even Denver uh, could be in the mix for defensive player. So um, there's you know there's some some interesting permutations. And that said, uh, you know the best athletes play offense now. Everybody knows where the money is, so the best athletes get put on offense, whether that's in high school and in college and in, you know that kind of stuff. And there's there's kind of a tilt to that. And the NFL NFL is a is a you know is a copycat league. Innovation in football, you know, it trends upward. Starts at high school level, hits into college, and it trends upward. That's the thing. Now you get all these great athletes playing on the offensive side of the ball in college, and you know, then it comes to the pro game, and now all of a sudden everybody's wanting to play offense all the time. The rules have changed, so I don't think it's a shocker. I think it's been trending that way for a while. But um, the fact that there's like nobody in that top ten, maybe one or two guys, that's that is a little bit eye opening. So Benjamin, one one kind of thing that George and I have been talking about throughout this uh, this show is these players who decided to opt out and not the idea of, oh, it's wrong that they opted out. The world was a different place in July, August, September. We understand why guys made the decision that they did. But is there any trepidation from front offices about drafting a Jamar Chase, a Greg Rousseau, Micah Parsons, just strictly because it will have been close to two full years by the time they put pads on in uh, August and September? Strictly on the opt-out, no. Um, now, there are some guys that, like, combined with injury, combined with other things, yes. You know, Michael Parsons has some off-the-field red flags. Uh, you look at a guy like uh, Jalen Phillips out of Miami, you know, with the concussion protocol, that kind of stuff. You look at these guys who opted out and had injury. Um, you know, Caleb Farley being injured last year. Because of the fact that there, there weren't really medical rechecks because there was no combine, a lot of that stuff puts a lot of question in people's minds. So if they opted out and there was something else, uh, then I would say that that person's probably going uh, to have a little bit of a slide, but uh, I, I don't think that just opting out has gotten anybody sliding. Yeah, and um, there has been a bunch of talk about the offensive linemen in this in this draft because everybody is caught up on these skill positions. But when you look at the teams that have won the last you know five plus Super Bowls, their offensive lines have been the top of the draft. I'm sorry, they have been the top of the uh, league. They've had all pros or guys playing at an all pro level or just multiple pro pro bowlers. So why have we heard this talk about Panay Sewell potentially slipping the kid from North N- Northwestern and, and elsewhere not being seen as a premium like these quarterbacks are, or even some of the other players. Yeah, I don't, I don't have an answer to that. With Sewell, there's a couple of things. Um, you know, he's a little bit raw. He gets out over his skis, gets over leverage sometimes. And there's some some questions about that, his youth and all that kind of stuff. But you know, if you got a team that's willing to be patient with him, I think you get a stud. Slater, I, I think he goes top ten. I, don't, I you know, it, it maybe maybe twelfth, you know, at the latest, thirteenth at the latest. But um, you know, I, I don't think he's slipping that far. And then after that, you know, you just got other guys. I, I don't know that um, people are on that elite level. But like you say, you go back and you look, and you know, if you if you're going to win a championship, you got to be able to protect the quarterback that's the name of the game you know you keep your quarterback upright you give the ability to to let those receivers get downfield and take a couple deep shots a game that's how you win in football and um to me that's the winning formula so i, I would invest and reinvest in the offensive line that appears to be the winning formula for these coaches uh that continually win super bowls look at andy Reid, always making investments along the offensive line so you know i think that uh i, I think that's the way to go and i think that's the way people should be doing it you got a great point there Last one for me, Benjamin, and it's a perfect segue from what you just discussed. I asked you about three. I asked you about four. The Cincinnati Bengals, are they more concerned at this particular moment with protecting Joe Burrow after the injury that he suffered last year or finding him a playmaker wide receiver? 
Well, they should have been more concerned with it before he got the injury. Yeah, fair, you know, fair. Everybody in the mother were yelling at him last year. They needed to work on that offensive line. They didn't do it. So, um, you know, that said, I, I, I kind of lean chase at this point for him, uh, unfortunately. You know, I, I, and it's, it's, it's sad because you, you think that they'd want to go on that offensive line. But, you know, their best position on that offensive line right now is the left tackle position, which is what Sewell would play. So uh, are you going to kick Sewell over the right side? Are you going to kick John Williams over the right side? You know, what, what would you do in that scenario? Uh, if it's me and I'm the Bengals, I'm looking to trade out of five. Look for somebody that's quarterback hungry, uh, and then we're, we're eyeballing Rashawn Slater. So we're not trying to go back too too far. But that that would be the direction I would look at it and try to you know and try to approach it and continue to build around Joe Burrow. And uh, you know if Joe Burrow is as great as they they think he is, they drafted him at the top of the draft. Well, shouldn't he be able to make those wide receivers great no matter who they got? Oh yeah, that's a that's a great point. Uh, final final question for you, Ben is. Um, this is John Gruden's fourth draft in charge of the Raiders, I believe. And they were sitting at eight and eight last year. They destroyed their offensive line in the offseason. From what you've heard from coaches, general managers uh, around around the league, how are they judging? Like, what what's the talk behind the scenes about what the Raiders and John Gruden have been doing? Well, Gruden's safe either way. He's got that big contract. They knew that this was going to be a long-term deal and, and going from there. Um, they brought in the new defensive coordinator and Gus Bradley. They're switching from kind of middle of the field open concept to middle field closed, going from cover two to cover three. Uh, so they need a little bit different personnel than what they had before. Um, so that's that's going to be a thing. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think anybody there is particularly on the hot seat other than perhaps Mike Mayock. You could see him going after this draft if, if you know, they don't, they don't pan out the way they want. They brought him on. He, his additions really haven't been all that great. You know, you go back and look at – uh, the roster construction, you can't keep a guy like P.J. Hall on that roster, a guy who just blocks field goals, doesn't do anything else. Um, you know, and then you go you go look at some of the draft picks that they've made. You know, they got a defensive tackle they could have had in the 20s, and they, they drafted him in the top five. So, you know, it's it's just it's, it's a shame because everybody knows Mike Mayock's a good guy, but um, he could he could very much be on the outs there in, uh, in Vegas. All right, uh, you guys, that is Benjamin Albright, NFL draft expert, host, reporter, and analyst for KOA in Colorado. You can find him on Twitter at Albright NFL, where you'll get all sorts of rumors and some fun stuff as well. But but there are truth to his rumors, though. Uh, ben, <laughs> thanks for coming on the show. Absolutely, guys. Take care. Thank you, I ben. appreciate it. Um, up next, though, the unwritten rules of baseball are now being unwritten by a man with an abnormal contract in the MLB. We'll talk to you guys about that next. But first, we got to go to the gas man. David Gascon, what's trending? Guys, Padres and Dodgers underway. Right now, there's no score just yet. Earlier today... First pitch to Ozuna. He lines one to right, right at Josh Rojas and seven no-hit innings for Madison Bumgarner as the D-backs sweep a doubleheader from Atlanta, seven to nothing. The D-backs pouring onto the field and congratulating Bumgarner. Yeah, seven innings of shutout ball for Bumgarner. It does not qualify, though, as a no-hitter because of what the union had agreed to on seven-inning games because of the doubleheader situation. Also, Arizona took game one of this doubleheader. 5 nothing was the final. Atlanta had all of one hit in the two games combined. Angels 4-2 winners over the Astros. Nets defeat the Suns 128-119. Kyrie Irving had 34. Kevin Durant 33 behind him. Guys, back to you. All right, thank you, David Gascon. Um, and we are here on Fox Sports Sunday. I'm George Reiser. He is Aaron Torres. Aaron, so uh, he just talked about what Madison Bumgarner did. 
He threw he complete he pitched from the first inning of the game to the last inning of the game, but it was only seven innings because that's how long the game was, and he didn't get a no-hitter. I don't like that. I think he should get a no-hitter because he completed the entire allotted amount of games, uh, allotted portion of the game, but you should put an asterisk next to it and say it was only a seven-inning no-hitter. It's interesting because, I mean, this is just one of those things, I think, now that the rules have been adjusted, I'm sure that that kind of little uh, asterisk in the rule book will be adjusted as well. It just speaks to, I think, how crazy and how quickly the game of baseball is changing, whether it is the extra innings rule, whether it is the uh, this rule with seven-inning doubleheaders. Baseball has changed at a rapid pace. I don't know where you stand. I know your sons were big baseball players back in the day. I don't really like it. Like, you know, I know people are saying they don't mind the seven-inning doubleheaders, all that stuff. I just feel like the reason that people don't watch baseball in the regular season isn't because, uh, you know, because of the things that they're changing. And what I would also say is that in many cases, the the most entertaining and exciting and kind of – uh, just the most exciting games in baseball are the ones that go to extra innings. And so, I don't know. I, I don't necessarily like how these rules are changing, but to your point, this is obviously a weird quirk in the rule book. I'm assuming it'll be changed. I'm not crazy about some of these rules. I, I like the rules, dude. I like the rules. I like the uh, the ninth after the ninth inning, added, starting with in the tenth inning, a runner in scoring position on second second base. I like it because it forces the action. It gets kids home earlier on weekdays when they take when families take their kids to the to, to the ballpark. I like that. You know what else I like? I like what Trevor Bauer had to say about the quote unquote unwritten rules of baseball. Because anybody who watches Baseball knows if you trot around the bases too slowly after hitting a home run, somebody's going to throw it, throw at your head. If you uh, if you are a if you celebrate too, too hard, they're going to throw at you. And I hate it. I think it's super soft. I, I, I there, There's no courage in throwing a 90 mile an hour ball and hitting a guy. If you're a pitcher, especially that pitchers are off limits to throw at. It's not courageous. It's weak. It's bad for the game. I hate it with the power of a thousand suns. And apparently I'm not the only one because Trevor Bauer for the Dodgers, who got two home runs hit off him by Fernando Tatis yesterday, and he pimped the home runs too. He even did the the, the Connor M- M- McGregor uh, walk that Trevor Bauer does, everything. And here's what Trevor Bauer had to say about that. I want to say something about that because I think it's important. You know, he did it in the first. I didn't see it because I was paying attention to doing my job. And then he did it again when he homered off me again later in the game. Their dugout was doing it. And I I like it. I I think that pitchers who have that done to them and react by throwing at people or, you know, getting upset and hitting people or whatever, I think it's pretty soft. If you give up a homer, a guy should celebrate it. You know, it's hard to hit in the big leagues. I'm all for it, and I think it's it's important that you know the game moves in that direction, and we stop throwing at people because they celebrated having some success on the field. He said it perfectly. Yep, I could not agree more. Aaron. I uh, 
I'm with you 100%, and I know we're supposed to disagree. It makes for better radio, but it, it what it comes down to is exactly what you said a minute ago, George, is to me, and this is something I've never understood, athletics is about competition. There's a winner and a loser, right? Um, you know, Pete Carroll famously had competition Tuesdays at, when he was at USC, which Ed Orgeron has brought to LSU, and everything was a one-on-one battle, and there's a winner and there's a loser. And if a guy wins the one-on-one battle, by the way, you know, you are a former NFL uh, uh, tight end. Um, you know, if if a defensive lineman, if Michael Strahan beats you off the off the snap and sacks your quarterback, are you allowed to take out his knees because he celebrated a, the sack on the next play? Of course not. That's ridiculous. Athletics is about competition, and when and athletics is emotional too. And baseball players, especially the hitters in this case. They should be allowed to be emotional. They just it, Fernando Tatis or any player who hits a home run, it's an emotional moment. It's an emotional play. Why are we trying to take that out of the game? I am so glad guys like Trevor Bauer are saying this stuff. The only way it's going to change is if star players like Trevor Bauer on marquee teams like the Dodgers come out and say stuff like that. Correct. He's the he's got the the highest annual or or two year deal in. Um, the history of the ML, MLB. He does have an out after this this year, but he gets it. He gets that baseball, like make baseball fun again. The thing that makes baseball fun is that people are enjoying them themselves. And if you can't go out there and do something very difficult and then celebrate, what are you doing? Oh, hey, hey, yo, 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 you did your job great. I did mine poorly. But how dare you celebrate with your teammates, yourself, what what you did? What? Exactly. Are, are you kidding me? Oh, I, I think it is so soft. I think it's S-O-F capital T. Um, we are on Fox Sports Sunday. I'm George Reister. He is... Aaron Torres. And when we get back, there are players who have opted out of the draft. And we're wondering, would you draft them? And we'll talk about that next here on Fox Sports Sunday. Here on Fox Sports Sunday, I'm George Reister. He is Aaron Torres. And before we get back into the NFL draft talk, I just want to say just, just, so everybody knows and understands the San Diego Padres are getting on my nerves. Like we, we, we just talked about the unwritten rules of baseball and the Padres are on my nerves, uh, Aaron, because I'm a big Dodgers fan, right? And the Padres are now like that annoying little brother who's trying to like get, get all up in your, in, in your business in your phone conversation with your with your with your friends coming trying to break your toy play play with your toy and I'm like get out of here Padres I, I I'm just like I like the rivalry I'm interested I got the game on between them and the Dodgers it's the bottom of the second Dodgers up 1-0 with the bases loaded and I get it but they're on my nerves right now which I think is a good sign for baseball well, it is a good sign for baseball, but it is kind of the analogy that you said of like big brother, little brother, you know, little brother wanting to kind of hang out with the big the, with the big brother on the pickup court or whatever because I looked at the standings last night. Padres aren't even in second place in the NL West. 
Correct. And, and so they're a fun story. Obviously, Fernando Tatis has been unbelievable. He comes back early to play last series off an injury. And it's fun, right? It's good. The Dodgers have, I believe, won now eight straight division titles. They need a rival. They need somebody uh, to challenge them, not only in the NL, but specifically in this part of the country. But at the same time, like, like, can we pump the brakes a little bit here with the Padres stuff? Can they maybe, uh, you know, uh, have a little bit more success before we start calling them a rival or whatever people are calling them now? Well, the thing that's making them a rival, though, is the fact that the dot that they've spent – you know, they went to go get Blake Snell. They got you Darvish, so they upgraded their pitching. They gave Fernando Tatis that big deal. They got Manny Machado when he left the Dodgers. They uh, signed Hosmer. And I'm just sitting here like, yeah, they are trying to make it a rivalry. And it's one of those that they've done so much that the Dodgers know and understand that they're only two hours away from each other. So if you lose to the Padres, then people are going to talk trash all of this stuff, they're going to feel good about themselves, and you know that you're probably going to meet them in the postseason, and you don't want them to have anything to say to you like, nah, bruh, we're better than you. Go go back over there and be little brother like you're supposed to be. It's interesting. It is interesting, and, and like you said, I think part of it is the geography too. Uh, there are, believe it or not, more Padres fans than I realize just in general, and uh, you know, you kind of live on top of each other. It's like... Um, I guess Red Sox fans in Yankees country, Yankees fans in Red Sox country, all that kind of stuff. Uh, uh, you know, Cardinals fans living in Chicago, but the fans are on top of each other. And this is the first time the Padres really dating back to last year have been relevant in basically forever. So yeah, they're enjoying things a little bit much, but uh, but we'll see if they can keep it up and even just make a run for a playoff berth, let alone actually compete with the Dodgers top the NL West. Absolutely. Um, I'm wondering though, What's up with uh, this NFL draft bit before we get out of here? Um, we we talked to Benjamin Albright. We talked to Adam Kaplan about whether teams would be cautious about drafting players who opted out of last season. And, I, and for me, just because it was a pandemic year, I, do, I look at it like a player who was injured and then ends up in the draft, except for he is healthy. You know what I mean? Like that. Sure. So you can't blame people, especially when the Pac 12 was shut down for so long. The Big Ten was shut down for a while as well. So players opting out, especially when you didn't, people's families had medical conditions, they have potential medical conditions. And truthfully, if my son were a top five pick like Panay Sewell, guaranteed probably, or at least a top 10 guaranteed, I would have wrapped his ass up in bubble wrap too and then unwrapped the present when it came to draft day. It's hard to argue. I mean, and it's funny because when all the opt-out craze started, the thing that struck me, Alabama didn't have a single guy opt out. Uh, Ohio State had a couple guys opt out and then opt back in once they realized the season was going on. So it was a Jamar Chase that lost the Heisman Trophy winner. It was a Panay Sewell. It was, uh, yep. you know, Micah Parsons who knew he wasn't going to compete for a championship. All the opt outs made sense from a practical standpoint as well as football. Yeah, they did. Uh, before we get out of here today, want to give another shout out to Dan Byer and the baby. Congratulations. This is Fox Sports Sunday. I'm George Reiser. He is Aaron Torres. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. 
This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the south side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply.